one. Hey, happy Monday, everyone, and welcome to the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. It is December 5th. Tyson Alger here, joined by Shane Hoffman. Whoo! This day has been crazy, Shane. I've, I mean, like it, it, it started a couple hours ago with you texting me about the OC hire, and now it seems like uh, it seems like everybody is in the transfer portal. Uh, but to the more important stuff, like, do we have a sandwich today? No, we we don't have a sandwich. I went to Beer Garden last night, so I was just finishing up some some pizza from there before we hopped on. Um, we were also talking about before we hopped on the uh, the Pac-12 title game. Do you have a, a minute you want to do on that, real quick? Yeah, um, of course this happened. Like Utah is going to Utah is going to Utah. Like it, it seems like every year that you count a Kyle Whittingham team out, and they end up doing that. Um, and between what they between their two wins against USC this year and their two wins against Oregon last year, like I mean they're they're the best program in the conference, and that's that's the Tyson Alger wrap up. And we knew that because we wrote that and we said that, and then. I think at, at times uh, we probably ignored our own our own statements. Um, I had a lot of friends that obviously wanted to wager on the game, not with me, but with with books, and kept <laughs> yeah, saying, are, are, hey, are, "Are you are you are are you funding like a, a, a an illegal bookie operation here, Jane?" <laughs> no, no, no. But if I was, maybe a Pac-12 one, you know. But no. Yeah. So they they were obviously texting me because they think I know the Pac-12, even though. I probably don't know anything about it at this point. Right. Right. But they were all like USC minus two and a half, right? And I was like, uh Kyle Whittingham, I don't know. I didn't put money on it, but um yeah, that was really impressive. It uh, uh I mean it, it it just it's it's not surprising. It the Pac twelve is gonna pack twelve. I, I don't think that takes away from the fact that the Pac-12 had an overall pretty strong showing this year, and I, mm-hmm. I think especially, yeah. um, especially at uh, highlightable positions. I mean, it was this was probably the best year for quarterbacks for the Pac-12 in in quite some time. Um, and now, now here over the last weekend, we've had the news that like Penix is coming back. Uh, yep. Bo Nix, that's where Bo I was going to go with it, right? Yeah, um, Bo Nix has announced that he's going to play in the bowl game, which. You know, I'm reading the tea leaves. That makes me think that at least he's open to the possibility of coming back and playing at Oregon next year. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, like, I, I think overall you got to at least give the Pac-12 probably like a solid B plus, A minus grading on a curve for this year. Yeah, I, I kind of hated the the takes that people had that oh, you know, here goes the Pac-12 cannibalizing itself again. You, you we, we ruined our one chance to get USC in the playoff. First off, just like Oregon, they weren't going anywhere with that defense. My. Right goodness that was rough to watch and um like you said i mean almost all of the great quarterbacks either are or could come back next year including a williams including a Penix. i think bonix there's maybe 60 40 at this point maybe rising with this will stein hire um it's going to be fun and it was fun football you had people who you know are national correspondents and national reporters and podcasters saying that the pac-12 was like one of the if not the most fun conference to watch this year right if you're a fan, what more do you really want than that? Well, and like it, it just makes me think towards the expanded playoff, which is coming in 2024, and how like this would be a complete moot point if it, you know, two years from now. I mean, like how, how many Pac-12 teams would be in right now? It would be uh, three, three. No, well, yeah, I guess it would well, have maybe two, but it, at right. one point it could have been four. And 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 things, you know, obviously might have changed down the stretch with uh, with you know the possibility of that looming, but. Um, you know, the Pac-12 would be in it in the future format. 
I think the conference is as fun to watch as it's ever been. You got Deion Sanders coming to the conference. I know, oh, man. Uh, you know, I, I know the, the perception right now is that all these schools are going to fall way behind financially because of the type of the TV deals like the Big Ten and the SEC are getting. Uh, but I think the Pac-12, I think this year did a lot of really strong things for this conference and kind of securing its spot at least not to get completely left behind as, as kind of this new era gets going. Yeah, no, and, and new era, I mean, kind of starts with Deion Sanders at this point. Like, I don't know, I watched what he said to his team. I thought, it was, I mean, it's kind of controversial now on Twitter, but I've loved hearing that, honestly. And I don't know, I well, think, like you said, I, it's just exciting. I, I, haven't been, I haven't been on Twitter a ton today. What was what was the controversy? Just that he was, like, upfront about what he was doing? or Yeah, maybe controversy is the wrong word. I think people have differing opinions on it. Because, I mean, he essentially said he goes, he had this great speech. But he goes, I'm coming, and I'm bringing my luggage with me, and it's Louie. So he's like, he's like, we already got some positions taken care of because he's both of his sons play down there. One's a pretty good quarterback. One's right. a safety, I think. He obviously had the number one player in the nation, which is a cornerback. He's probably, I'm sure, coming. I think maybe five or six other players are going to come from Jackson State. And he's basically, he basically was telling the players, like, get in the portal then. Like, if we, it'll make more space if you guys can't handle this. Like, go get in the portal and – I think some people took that the wrong way, but it's also like that was the least talented team in Power Five. Like a lot of those guys are going to get eaten anyway. So I don't know. I, mean, I like and, to and, see it. Yeah, and there's something instead of just like just saying it too. I mean, because like you could look at the the inverse of that, like this Oregon situation this last year when Landing gets hired, there was a bunch of players that entered the portal immediately, and in some cases they like they were talked out of coming coming out of it. It was like Seven McGee um, was a was it dollars or, or was one of one of the other running backs dollars Maybe. was one of them yeah yeah and yeah you know like they like they recruited them back the ducks had a log jam at running back and now you know you have seven mcgee in the portal again you have uh byron cardwell in the portal so like you know i i think there's something to just like coming in and being like hey look like not a lot of you guys are gonna like still like it here but you know it is what it is <laughs> I want to talk about the portal in a second, but we are probably burying the lead here. Um, I know you spent all morning doing in-depth research on Will Stein. You want to present uh, your findings to the people? I just, I like it. I, I you know, I, I saw the video that's been kind of going around where he is talking about his offense in San Antonio and how, you know, like minimum two, two like long attempts a quarter. Uh, he likes to take shots. It's It's not necessarily tempo that he... Um, that his offenses thrive with, but it's it's setting the pace. Uh, I think it's kind of a lot of the type of stuff that Oregon fans liked with the Kenny Dillingham offense and just kind of the departure from the very conservative style that they had from 2018 through 2021. Um, and, and I think this is probably a, a maybe a hire that Lanning couldn't have gotten a year ago. Like this is kind of an up-and-coming guy. I think he would have had offers in other places. And to get a guy who... Uh, is is leading uh, San Antonio and basically to top fifteen offense in the country is uh, pretty impressive. I, I know it's not Joe Brady like everybody was uh, uh, spreading rumors about on the internet the last week, but uh, I, I think this is uh, I think this is a serviceable pick for the Ducks. I like it a lot. I mean, I think people's questions are going to come down to recruiting probably, um, but I think I mean. What makes a good recruiter? It's just a guy that's personable, that has connections. This is a Texas guy, so there's Texas connections. I don't know. I've only seen him talk in a few videos now. He seems like a guy that if I was recruiting he's in my living room, saying the things he was saying to a school like Oregon with recent success, I'd, I'd be bought in. 
So I don't think he'll struggle on the recruiting trail. Um, but like you were saying about the, the deep shots in that video that's going around. Um, yeah, and another thing I liked is he said they want to be violent in the run game, especially on the perimeter with their blocks. I think that's something you saw this year from Oregon and was fun to watch, quite honestly. It seems like the running backs they have on hand now would fit that kind of scheme. And the tight ends and receivers proved they could be violent blockers on the edge. Yeah. Um, I mean, quite honestly, it's everything you want to hear, right? Like, it's not hard to buy in when you hear things like that, but it's also like, I think everyone's going to say stuff like that these days in college football. No one's going to get up on a podium and be like, yeah, I mean, we want to we want to play boring football. We want to grind, maybe crystal ball. We want to grind, you know, the <laughs> clock down. We want to just run for, you know, three yards an attempt. Um, but no, so I think, I think it's, it's easy to buy in. And I think quite honestly, we'll probably be sitting here next year. Um, probably around this same date talking about uh, who they have replaced him with because he's got a job somewhere else. I, I think that's quite honestly his, his future if he does well here. Yeah. It's, it's one of those things where, I mean, because this is, and it was kind of the joke I put out the joke post I put out last week of the, uh, the, the offensive coordinator trivia, but there's been so many of these guys the last just like decade at Oregon that, um, that I just look at this and like, I see his credentials, I see the speech and, you know, he's, is checks all the boxes. Um, at this point, like I'm probably only going to get excited about it. Like the day that I actually get to see the offense, <laughs> you know, cause like there's, there's been so many, you know, like I, I think, um, the, the Joe Moorhead offense was relatively hyped coming in and then it ended up looking exactly like, the Marcus Arroyo offense before it. And, and maybe that might've been Chris Bull as a uh, kind of the czar of, of that whole program. But um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm interested to see uh, I'm interested to see how it goes for them. I do think though, after you had a guy like Dillingham come here and then be very open about the expectations to kind of get past or get back to the glory days of, of past Oregon offenses and then to go out and, and do it. I think that gives you maybe some confidence that um, Landing has an eye for these kind of guys and he has an eye for the type of football that he wants to play, that fans like, that quite honestly is efficient because say what you will about the end of the season, Oregon is still top or near tops nationally in a lot of offensive categories. Um, oh, uh, 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 100%. Yeah. This was this was the most fun Oregon offense I've watched at least since 2015. Um, there you maybe, go, yeah. Maybe, maybe even since 2014. And I mean, that's, that's Marcus's Heisman year, but when things were humming this year, it was, it was awfully, awfully, awfully fun to watch. I'd love um, to see like a, like a, just like a like 20 or 30 of the top most creative plays this season. I'd love to see someone cut that up and throw that on Twitter. I think that'd be cool to watch because there were some really, I mean, there was just some gems of play calls this year that were really cool to watch. Um, I think that brings us to the portal though. And I had this idea of kind of really quickly just doing because everybody and their mom is in the portal right now. I mean, there's like 11 Oregon players and that number will probably grow. And I'm sure they're going to attract plenty of, of players just like they did last year. Um, when they brought in some, some really big names, um, some of their best players ended up being transfers last year. I don't think you can really do like a wish list if you're Oregon state. Cause I think we would just end up talking about quarterbacks the whole time. And there's some <laughs> quarterbacks in the, in the, in the portal for sure. But I think with Oregon, you do have some major positions of need. And I wonder if, if you want to kick us off, if you have any thoughts on if you're like landing, not even just position, but type of players for a position. Like, what are you looking for these next few weeks? Yeah, like, to be completely honest, I think, 
you know, at, at first when we talked about this before we were going to do this, I was thinking that they really need just some some depth on the front seven, just just some guys that can disrupt and, um, you know, generate some pressure. But now seeing that Christian Gonzalez is declared for that uh, for the draft and with how good he was at corner this year, um, I'd really like for them to just take a swing and, and go after another kind of veteran cornerback that that they can slot in and play. Um, just because as, as we talked about, I think last podcast, um, you know, they, 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 they definitely took some lumps at that position this year. And I'm not so, not so sure about the depth that they have behind them. So I, I think just something to, something to help shore up the defense so it doesn't get worse, worse next year is, is, is going to be important. Yeah. And I think if you do see more players enter the portal, I have a feeling it might be one or two of the DBs, the younger guys that didn't really play this year. Um, so depth there is going to be a concern again next year. I don't think you're going to find a Christian Gonzalez on this year's market, um, but someone with that kind of caliber, you know, a power five starter, there's definitely guys out there. But yeah, I mean, in front seven, like just a huge need because, I mean, I guess Sewell hasn't announced yet, but I would imagine Sewell's gone. Although who knows? Weird season. Um, Flo is definitely gone now. I would imagine Dorless leaves. They get Popo back, but they just don't have a guy that really scares you because they lose Swinson too. Not that he was scaring anyone this year. We lose DJ Johnson officially. Um, and there's some edge guys, but I think you need to find like a really high caliber edge threat. I don't know. It's going to be hard because everybody probably wants a really high caliber edge threat, even guys who already have them. But I think that's got to be the number one need is someone that actually strikes fear into opposing offensive coordinators and offensive lines because they haven't had a guy in the, in the wake of Thibodeau like that. It's um flow transferring I you know probably isn't entirely shocking I mean you can look at his snap counts this year and it was obvious that he he wasn't completely in favor with uh uh the defensive staff um it's, it's just kind of yeah I, I'm not calling him disappointing you know he's he's had he's had health problems and that sort of thing but just like the whole the whole situation was just kind of disappointing in a bit because when he when he signed in was that 2019 or 20 I think that was in the 19 class. It was it was the year after like the big uh, Thibodeau signing, and they got they got Flo, Sewell, and Manning all in the same class, and it was just like, oh my god, like this defense is going to be insane. And you're watching like the Flo high school cutups where he's like suplexing guys and just like all over the field. Um, we saw that in like one game a year ago when he had 14 tackles in, in the first game of the year, and and that was. That was his best game as an Oregon Duck, and yeah, it's high water mark for sure. It, yeah, which is, uh, you know, like like they'll they'll be fine, and there was obviously reasons why he wasn't playing um, as much as other people, but uh, I think that I think that'll end up being like one of those like oh man, like they they couldn't get that out of him, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's definitely. I don't know. I don't blame him for leaving, and I don't blame the staff for not letting him leave because I know it's not their decision, but not playing him a ton this year, but that's one that you could see maybe coming back to bite them a little bit. Um, you might, I, you, I know USC was high on his list, so that's probably a place that you could maybe see him going. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I do I do trust Lanning when it comes to the portal. I know we've only got one year to work off of, but he completely reconstructed the Ducks' backfield and made them probably the most fun they've been to watch in several years. He brought in a Heisman contending quarterback. He got Coda, who was a great you know, number two, number yeah. three receiver, which is another position that they'll need to shore up. They got Gonzalez, like we mentioned, and then he got some run-stopping defensive tackles that ended up having pretty good years. I don't think I'm forgetting anyone. I might be forgetting someone. Um, 
Yeah, on offense, you know, one of the other things that Stein said in that video was just, and again, I don't think this is unique, but he was just like, you know, plays are overrated. We just want to feed our best players. Um, they have a really good one in Troy Franklin and some good running backs outside of Troy Franklin. I don't know if you're like completely sold on a lot of the other offensive guys. You know, Ferguson had some really nice moments this year. Um, but I don't know. I think you need to go out and get, you know, one or two more weapons too. Who are they losing on the line? They're losing Sala. Um, They're losing a lot of guys. Forsyth, yeah. Sala, I think Walk. Yeah, um, I, 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 I could I could see them being in the market for, if if not a, a um, portal, at least like a Juco guy, kind of like when they brought in TJ Bass a couple of years ago. Um, yeah, they, they'll need some linemen. That's where I was going next because if you're at all – pessimistic about the Ducks next year it kind of has to start with that offensive line because they are not going to be the unit they are this year for better or worse um I think you like what you saw from some of the guys you know behind the starters um Marcus Harper who played a lot because of injury um and some of the younger guys but I I do yeah there's there's a lot of pieces which is weird because there was a lot of talent on this team so it'll be yeah it should be a really um explosive news week um yeah this weekend and, and next yeah i'll leave it there uh, i i i do think there is i i you know there there's the cliche of <clears throat> once a coach gets his guys in and um that sort of thing but like there there definitely was this year a fair amount of i mean you could just see it on twitter with various players parents you know either complaining about playing time or just you know anytime that you have a complete switch of a staff there are going to be players that kind of get lost in the mix a little bit. And I, you saw that with Dante Thornton, you saw that with Cardwell. Um, and like that didn't go unnoticed, like amongst other parents too. Like there was definitely from, from people that I've talked to, like there were kind of factions of other parents that like wanted, uh, it was just kind of like, get with it. Like things change, like start practicing. Like don't, don't just expect things that are going to be handed to you. And so I think, you know, I, it's it's not a huge surprise that a lot of people are hitting the portal. I mean, look across the country, every, like every school has people hitting the portal. But I think especially this year with Oregon, you're still kind of shaking out a little bit of just the turnover that happens when you have another coaching staff change. Yeah, and like you said, I've heard similar things from parents this year. I think uh, parents who had kids that were, you know, big pieces or at least playing a lot, understandably had less to complain about, but were also kind of, realizing that this stuff comes and goes and their 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 sons were were players that had been through lumps earlier in their career so that was interesting to see and i think it feels when you know if you're an oregon fan um, and you're looking on twitter it can feel like oregon's losing more players than other schools just because you have that influx of stuff in your feed and your inbox right but everyone's losing players before we got on you were talking about a michigan captain tight end who they're still in the in they're in the playoff and they're quite honestly, probably going to make the natty. And he's already announced that he's in the portal along with their backup quarterback from this year who took them to the playoff last year. So it's happening everywhere. Um, What else is good? You're heading home here soon, aren't you? Yeah, I'm flying home in about a week-ish, something like that. Yeah, just over a week. Do some remote writing for a few and then back up and narrowing in on um, just like Oregon's offensive coordinator search. We're, we're looking to announce our new uh, – new house here in the next few days um <laughs> zeroing in on a few candidates 
And uh, yeah, I mean, I'm I'm thrilled to be up in Portland. It's going to be tough. My car's been in the shop for closing in on six months now, and I would love to get it back so that I can cover some stuff when I'm up in Portland. But you know, um, make do. I uh, I look forward to like what that how that's going to evolve your uh, the type of stories that you provide for the corridor because you you've been very Eugene centric for the last you know basically a year of doing this yeah, so, a lot of uh, Corvallis um, stuff too yeah honestly. true yeah. true so um, yeah it will we'll we'll try to have a little bit of different this uh, this off season yeah. um, well it might get you up off your ass a little bit more because I I'm not in Eugene to you know cover the Ducks as much. A holiday bowl team? You think that I'm going to get my? No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Uh, we, all right, enough, we will we we will have probably more in depth uh, holiday bowl preview coming up on another podcast. Uh, check out i5corridor.com this week and next week for more on the offensive coordinator hire. Uh, there's also going to be a couple fun stories. One of them being a breakdown of the the teams with the basically a, a Pac-12 quarterback ranking since uh, uh, Utah and Colorado joined the conference back uh, more than a decade ago. So got, and, got some uh, good co- a Will Richardson piece oh, sometime yeah. in the next say I'll say month to be conservative, but yeah. I will say I think I think readers will enjoy this one because if you've watched Ducks basketball, you've probably wondered what is this guy's deal. He's streaky. He's really great sometimes. Other times he looks out of it. Turns out a lot of it has to do with health, but I sat down with him a few weeks ago and I've been doing other reporting since, and I think it'd be a cool piece that kind of pulls back the curtain on what is a really intellectually savvy and also really talented player for Oregon who's got a lot going on. I got nothing else. I'm done. Yeah, no, I mean, there's not really much good TV out these days, so it's a, it's a drought for us, but uh, a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of Twitter to, uh, Twitter content to kind of take our, our minds off of it. Yeah, yeah. All right, well, thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back next week on the I-5 Corridor's Traffic Report. You're listening to the I-5 Corridor.